Welcome to Laura Asks About Motherhood, where I, Laura Pruitt, normally ask my guests about their experiences of being a mom. Today, however, I have a guest host, my good friend, Gina Goodman, who will interview me about my pregnancy. I am currently 23 weeks along. The day this is published, May 4th, 2022, I am now 24 weeks along. Hi, thanks for having me. Yay. Thanks for um, interviewing me, I guess. (laughs) This is I'm so, so excited. Yeah. Um, you, we've been friends since 2010 mm-hmm. and I have had kids since 2012. So you mm-hmm. have listened to me ramble on for 10 years, Laura, <laughs> 10 years of all of it. So I am so excited to be able to return the favor. It is your <laughs> turn, girl. Are you ready? Ready. <laughs> okay. Well, the first one, um, did you always know you wanted kids? No. And I've talked about this in different episodes on the podcast with different guests. Um, growing up in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is just expected that people will grow up and get married and have kids. I mean, I guess it's expected for a lot of people. They grow up, they think that they're going to grow up, get married, have kids. It's a, a normal societal expectation. But especially in your church. Yeah. It's very much encouraged. Early, get like get married young, have kids right away have a lot of kids yeah um but i like in late high school college years i was like i don't know that i even want to get married i don't know that i want kids and then for a while i was like never (laughs) never in my life (laughs) uh and then i've come around and now i'm currently pregnant (laughs) Um, well, what, what made you come around? Do you, is there something specific that, um, made you have a change of heart or? Um, yeah, a couple, a couple things come to mind. Um, one, I, I feel more comfortable with myself. Um, two, I went to a lot of therapy. (laughs) Um, and three, I, um, I had cancer in 2020 and I had been, starting to prepare for pregnancy before I found out about the cancer diagnosis. Um, but that health scare uh, was like really solidified in, in me, the desire to have kids. I was like, Oh, this is actually something I really do truly want. Wow. Yeah. I can imagine such a serious diagnosis really makes you reexamine your priorities and, and what you want and don't want in life. Um, but how scary and how grateful I am that, you're where you are today and you're doing well. Makes me so happy. You're amazing. <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, how old were you when you decided that you were ready to try and start getting pregnant? Uh, let's see. That was two years ago. So um, I'm trying to remember when exactly it was. I guess it was 31. Um, yeah, it's like early 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and then did your age affect 
uh, how you prepared for pregnancy, if at all? Yeah, I think so. Um, if I had gotten pregnant in my 20s, I don't think I would have known what to expect or really much of anything about pregnancy. Um, when was it? 2013, 2014, I guess, I had done a continuing education course for my music therapy certification about um, music therapy, childbirth education classes. And that was so interesting. I learned so many things because before then I was kind of like afraid and disgusted by pregnancy and birth. Mm -hmm. Um, And I learned a lot and I was like, wow, this is fascinating. If I'd gotten pregnant before that, I think I would have um, not really done anything to prepare for pregnancy. Just be like, oh, I guess I'm pregnant now. Laura here real quick. While I was editing the audio and came across this bit, I remembered that I was deathly afraid of becoming a mom in my 20s. I had three pregnancy scares before I intentionally tried to get pregnant. And each time my first thought was, where's the closest abortion clinic? I don't know that I actually would have had an abortion in my 20s, but that was where my headspace was at the time. Okay, back to Gina. Yeah, wow, that's a very stark difference that um, 20s versus 30s and and how you prepare and think about it. Uh, Like you mentioned, you did have some training music therapy-wise in the birth world. Can you talk a little bit more about your experience with that and, and whether that had an effect on on how you viewed pregnancy or? Oh, sure. It definitely did. Um, Cause after that training, I was like, this is super interesting. And then I did a music therapy assisted childbirth continuing education class. And that was fascinating learning about what happens during labor and birth. And then I also did another like similar training to help assist um, couples that aren't able to have people in the room with them, but need like preparation during pregnancy. So I read a lot of books like during those trainings, you had to read several books about pregnancy um, and some stuff about music therapy, too, obviously. But, yeah, I just learned a lot about what happens to the body when a little baby is growing in there. (laughs) Um, Not to put you on the spot, but are there any specific books that you would recommend to someone else? Um, Yeah. Anime's Guide to Childbirth was really good. Oh, gosh, there are so many. I feel like a lot of the ones that come up whenever you search for like natural childbirth books. So Dick Grantley Reed, no, what's his name? Reed? Dick Grantley Reed, I think his name. Um, Childbirth Without Fear. Oh, boy, I butchered his name. (laughs) Grantley Dick Reed wrote Childbirth Without Fear. And there's a couple other ones. Um, There was one... It's not necessarily about like pregnancy and birth, but it's called Calm Mama, Happy Baby. That was really good. Oh, I think I've heard of that one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember who that's by. A quick internet search showed me that Calm Mama, Happy Baby was written by Derek O'Neill and Jennifer Waldberger. Yeah. And there was one that I don't remember what it's called. I'll have to look again where it talked about like what the fetus is experiencing during pregnancy so a lot of books are like from the the mother's perspective and like what's happening to the mom and this other one was like what is what is the fetus experiencing during that's so growth and stuff yeah Yeah. 
I found the book I was referencing. It's called Windows to the Womb, written by David Chamberlain. What has it been like to shift to the role of being a pregnant person? Do you, well, I guess two stages, uh, going from not pregnant to pregnant, and then going from first trimester to second trimester, especially since first trimester is just so many symptoms, but barely anybody knows you're pregnant, to second trimester where it's probably less symptoms, but visibly pregnant and people can observe that and comment on it. Yeah. Um, well, let's see. I found out I was pregnant the week of Christmas and oh. I was like, I haven't had my period. <laughs> it's been like, my period is not super consistent. Um, and according to the app I use, it's anywhere between 24 and 37 days. And those are kind big, of, yeah, a big window. Yeah. It's a big window. And those are kind of on the extreme end. It's usually around 30 to 33 days, mm-hmm. somewhere in there, sometimes 28 to 33 days. Um, but it had been like 35, 36, maybe even 30. Yeah. Normal for you. Right. Yeah, uh it had been a while. I was like, I was supposed to get it last week. So I took a pregnancy test and I was pregnant. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't believe this. I don't feel any different. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So you were expecting to just have some kind of like instinctual, just overall feeling of being pregnant. And then I even remember weeks after you were like, but I don't feel it. I don't feel, I don't feel pregnant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I don't know that I expected like an extinctual feeling. I just expected some sort of symptoms, like yeah. feeling nauseous or super tired or something. But I didn't There's feel so any. Yeah, that's wild. If you go on any of those mom um, like uh, question forums and people ask questions like crazy, especially if they've been trying for a long time and they just type in all the symptoms and is this one, is this one, you know, the sore nipples and the tired and the sick to your stomach and uh, just, and even really bizarre ones, but there's so many symptoms of early pregnancy and you're like, sounds like you felt pretty normal. (laughs) I did. I took another pregnancy test the next day because I was like, I don't, actually believe this. <laughs> I said I was pregnant still, so I was like, okay, I guess I'm pregnant. It was really confusing because um, earlier that month, like early December, I had gotten a physical and they had done a pregnancy test and they had mm-hmm. said, no, you're not pregnant. And so just a couple of weeks later, yeah, I, apparently I was. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you think back at... Um, any of the things that happened right before Christmas and um, that you were doing and you were pregnant. Now, you know, in hindsight that you were pregnant and you were doing like anything specific come to mind. Um, um, I got a booster shot, the COVID booster shot that like early December in that area. Okay. And I was like, Oh, I, I don't know if that affected the fetus at all. But I'm sure they asked if you were pregnant even before they gave you the shot too. And you oh, I don't remember. Know. I don't remember if they did or not, um, but I think I think it's safe to get when you're pregnant, mm-hmm. the vaccine and the booster shot. And so yes. I was like, well, I hope it didn't affect anything. <laughs> we seem to be fine. So it's all good. Oh, it's good. It's good to have the booster and to get vaccinated. Uh, 
it definitely, I think studies are starting to show now that it, it does provide some kind of protection for the fetus and then even after. Um, but I think it's important to get the vaccine when you're pregnant because pregnant people are more susceptible. They have more serious symptoms um, of COVID and uh, your immune system is not as great during pregnancy because your body's doing a million other things. So good for your health, good for baby's health. So yeah. I guess... <laughs> Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's the only thing that comes to mind. And then going from first trimester to second trimester. um, Well, first trimester, I was just really excited to tell like my immediate family. Well, actually, I take that back. I was like, should I start telling people? (laughs) I don't want to get bothered. (laughs) Like um, some of my closest friends were the first to know. Like I told you, I told my friend Yesenia, obviously Troy was the first to know. Yeah. And then on Christmas Day, we we're like, well, we should just tell everyone and just like not have this big secret to hide. Just let everybody know <laughs> and not have to pretend it's not happening. A funny story came to mind as I was editing the audio. When we told Troy's family on Christmas Day, Troy said, we have some news. Laura is expecting. And everyone was all excited. But then my brother-in-law, Ever the Jokester, responded, expecting what? And his daughter, Arnice, said, what do you think, an Amazon package? (laughs) And we all had a good laugh. (laughs) And then in my second trimester, um, I didn't really have like that many symptoms in my first trimester. I had very low level nausea. Mm -hmm. Um, And as long as I ate regularly, I felt okay. And um, as long as I ate like healthy, I felt okay. Like I had a pretty strong aversion to sweets. And if I had a couple bites of sweets and I felt sick the rest of the afternoon. Yeah. So as long as I listened to what my body was saying, telling me, then I felt okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then second trimester, definitely people, when I started telling like my clients and more people at church and just like other random people, they're like, I was wondering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Suspicions confirmed. Yep. <laughs> um. Have you had any specific experiences or uh, trends of how people treat you now that they know, now that the cat's out of the bag? Oh, um, yeah. Well, some people were way more excited than I expected them to be. Um, <laughs> like, I obviously expected, like, my close friends and family to be excited for me. But some of my work clients, like, one in particular, like, screamed in excitement when she found out I was oh pregnant. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know. Oh. <laughs> I was a little taken aback. <laughs> it was really sweet. <laughs> that is really sweet. It is just this universal thing that like everyone's really cheering for you when it yeah. happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People have just been really supportive. Um, they ask how I'm feeling a lot of the time. They ask how the baby's doing. Um, so, oh, I guess more recently, like in the last couple of weeks, a lot of people have been asking if I want a baby shower. And I don't. (laughs) Oh, has that been a difficult conversation to have? Like, is it awkward um, when people offer and you're not really interested or? Yeah, it has been awkward with several different people that have. I mean, it's super nice. It's very sweet of everyone. um, But I don't really like that kind of attention. Like Mm -hmm. um, one and two, um, a lot of things about baby showers kind of make me cringe. And three, people usually give stuff that I don't want. <laughs> so I want like, I don't really want a whole lot of baby stuff. And 
the stuff I do want is really expensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't really feel comfortable asking people for stuff like that. Yeah. But mostly what I want is really good prenatal care and postpartum care. Like if people would help pay for my chiropractor visits, pelvic floor, physical therapy, massages, a nutritionist would be cool, but it's not necessary, you know, stuff like that, that I could, I'm seeing right now and will continue to see after I give birth. That'd be nice. But I mean, how do you, uh, they're all things that are not covered by my insurance. And so like, how do I ask for that? And like, how do I coordinate that? So I'm like, meh, that's fine. I don't know, but honestly, that's brilliant. And we need to normalize that like immediately, like contributing to actual useful health services that are not included in basic prenatal and postnatal care somehow. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like it would be reasonable though, to be like, these are the things that I do want. If you want to contribute to this pregnancy and birth, this is how you can do it. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I just, yeah, it just makes me so uncomfortable. Um, so the five love languages, one of them is gift giving and that's mm-hmm. like dead last for me. I'm so bad at gift giving. And when people give me gifts, it's nice, but it's not like it makes me feel that good. <laughs> I mean, it's nice. It just kind of sometimes stresses me out, but some people like that's their love language. That's how they show that they love you. And so they want to give me like a physical thing. I'm like, mm-hmm. anyway, yeah, it's kind of awkward. <laughs> I think that's the one that makes me understand or relate to the existence of the love languages to begin with, because I don't understand how gifts can be anyone's number one. And it is. So that's, that's what makes me understand that like everybody feels and shows love differently because there literally are people out there who are like, this is how I will show you love is by buying you something or making, but a lot of times it's buying it. And that is proving that you're worth like me spending my money on you. And it's such a far from what either of us feel is, you know, important. Like, please don't spend money on me. Really? Uh huh. Yeah. Um, I don't know if anyone's watched the big bang theory, but Sheldon um, breaks it down and he, his character hates gift giving because he sees it as this transaction and it's now an inconvenience because he's like, now I'm obligated to return the favor and give you a gift of equal value or else I'm being rude. And he would rather not get the gift than be now tied into having to be part of this exchange. And he's like, you just dragged me into this and I didn't want it. That's sometimes how I feel. (laughs) I've gotten better about like just receiving things and just accepting it and understanding that not everyone expects anything in return, but it still sometimes makes me uncomfortable. I think, I mean, there are the odd, the wacky traditions um, of uh, baby showers, but a huge part of it is that feeling of that awkwardness of like people literally just, uh, that's the whole point is they're, giving you things and buying you things. And it's just, if you're not comfortable with that, then yeah, I don't blame you for not wanting a shower and having to go through that. Um, I was going to ask this question later on, but since we were already talking a little bit about um, something similar, I wanted to ask how you prepared your body physically before getting pregnant. um, And then any changes that you made to your health habits now that you are pregnant. I know that before getting pregnant, Um, You've had some experiences with um, nausea and uh, things that were kind of serious and scary for you. And yeah, if you could just talk a little bit about about that going into it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I usually tell people that I started seeing a nutritionist in 2020, but I usually forget to tell them that I sought out a nutritionist because, like you said, I have been to either the urgent care or emergency room like three or four times because I couldn't stop throwing up for different points in my life. I got really, really sick. I don't know if it was food poisoning or a virus or I don't different times. Yeah, got super, super sick, could not stop throwing up. My body just would dry heave. There was one time where I started like passing out because I was throwing up so much. Yeah, it was really scary. Um, the first time it happened, Troy was over at my apartment. This is before we were married. And I like was throwing up and he was giving me soup to try and like get my, you know, food in me, <laughs> like my strength up and stuff. And then I passed out and I, my head fell in the soup. And he was like, oh my God, what happened? <laughs> You're going to die. <laughs> no. Oh my gosh, Laura. I know. Yeah. So <laughs> I had um, like a fear of vomiting. Like that was yeah. a legit fear of mine because my body just did not know how to turn off and could like had a really hard time stopping when I started vomiting. So I was mm -hmm. like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to get pregnant. I'm going to be vomiting the entire nine months. I'm going to have to go into the hospital and get IVs. And it was like super scary. Yeah. So that's why I sought out a nutritionist to help prepare my body. I, Cause I don't know, maybe there's some sort of nutrition balance that is deficient in whatever. So working with her was really helpful. Um, mm -hmm. She was thinking that a lot of it, probably had to do with anxiety, but also like um, my gallbladder needed more support. So she put me on some specific supplements to help like build up the bile in my gallbladder. Um, and apparently that helped because <laughs> this pregnancy has been super easy. I haven't vomited once. I have only really been nauseous. Not really, just like really low level nausea. Yeah. So that's amazing and whoever treats the gallbladder that's so interesting for her to think of that yeah yeah she was saying there's not a whole lot of like research done about why some women have really bad nausea why some don't yeah. so um there's not a whole lot for people to go on but from her studies um this this is her best guess is like better supporting the gallbladder and the liver i think is another one that we focused on as well a few other things I remember from working with a nutritionist was drinking less water. <laughs> I was drinking a gallon of water a day at that point, and she thought that I was diluting some of my body's nutrients and flushing out too many good stuff along with whatever bad stuff I was flushing out. So I dialed back my water intake. She also suggested eating more meat to help me get ready for fertility. I know there are lots of people who are vegetarian and even vegan who go through pregnancy and postpartum just fine, but that was her recommendation was to eat more high quality meat, specifically beef and shrimp, and um, ingest bone broth. Um, she also had me adjust when I eat and drink throughout the day to better aid digestion. It was all super interesting, and even though I'm not seeing her anymore, I still follow a lot of the things um, that we did together. Well, um, I'm so glad that that worked out and that you were able to have such little nausea in this pregnancy, because that is a huge, a huge symptom for so many um, and I just want to take a minute to just commend you on just like your bravery to embark on this to begin with, because I, I'm sure there's some level of trauma going into this, knowing that you're entering into something that could very well cause nausea, where that's something that in the past you've had such serious 
reactions to that needed, you know, a higher level of care. And, um, you know, that's one thing to have something be thrust upon you, but another to willingly walk straight into the fire, knowing that this could happen to you. So um, I think already that just shows the, the selflessness and the love that a mother has and that they're willing to put their own physical comfort to the side to bring life into the world. And it's just, it's so beautiful. And you're just super brave, I think, for doing it because the things that you, you went through sound really scary. You're so I sweet. Know, you're so, I can only imagine what Troy thought whenever he saw you. Yeah, Aww. that was not the first time I passed out when I, yeah, that was the first time I needed to go to the emergency room for stopping vomiting and to get rehydrated. Um, yeah, but then the last time it happened, yeah, it was just like, there was nothing in my system. It was just dry heaving and then passing out and dry heaving and passing out. <laughs> it, was, it was scary. Scary and terrible and, and ugh. Yeah. So this one, um, it's kind of a two-parter. This is, this is one that intrigues me the most. So real quick backstory, you and I are uh, the same exact age. I'm like a month older than you. We met back in 2010, and the way I see it, we had very parallel lives walking into adulthood, making that transition from college kids, student life, to being adults in the real world. We did the same internship. That's how we met, and we coincidentally both got married right after that, which is odd. You know, not many people get married the year after college, uh, but we both got married in 2011, um, and then... I started having kids in 2012, whereas you are just starting this journey now. So my journey was very much impulsive. The entire, all three of my kids, total impulse, unplanned madness. <laughs> and it's kind of like after the, after the fact, finding out I'm pregnant and then having to backtrack and figure out how we're going to make it work. Whereas you, it's so much thought and planning went into it. So my question for you is what all went into planning when you were going to have kids? And then also um, if anything that was going on current events wise, like the pandemic, um, global warming, the economy, you know, just political tensions in general, if any of that had an effect on if and when you guys made that decision together. Yeah. Um, so we, were wanting to get pregnant in 2020 and then uh yeah and then covid and the shutdown and then i i got the cancer diagnosis in the summer of 2020 um so obviously all of that put a hold on well specifically the cancer diagnosis put a hold on our our plans for baby making mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> So our original plan was to um, start trying in like the fall of 2020 after I had worked with the nutritionist for like six -ish months or so mm -hmm. um, to help prep my body. But then when I found out about the cancer, um, that was put on pause and I had to stop seeing the nutritionist because medical bills kept piling up. And kind of, I mean, I was kind of glad that we didn't have a baby in 2020 or 2021 just because the world was so chaotic. <laughs> I feel yeah. like I would have had a lot of anxiety mm -hmm. about having a baby at that time. 
Yeah. I heard so many crazy stories about like women giving birth with masks on in the hospital or mm-hmm. like not being able to have their partner or any support person with them in the room. And that just sounds so yeah. hard. Mm-hmm. That sounds so hard. So I had to have surgery to remove the cancer from my tongue and neck. And then I had to have radiation to prevent the cancer from growing back because they were concerned that it was like a really small margin. Um, They were concerned that there may be lingering cancer cells. Um, So the radiation was to kill any that may have been remaining. And obviously I couldn't get pregnant while I was, you know, doing radiation. So I talked with my doctors about when it would be safe to start trying um, and they gave me the okay in May of 2021. So that's when we started trying. The doctors originally told me I could start trying for pregnancy as soon as I was done with radiation, but radiation to my mouth was really traumatic. I couldn't eat solid food for almost five weeks because of all the blisters and sores in my mouth. And I also lost my sense of taste and I was still recovering from the surgery to my tongue and neck, and I didn't have full range of motion in my left arm until like six months after my surgery. I had surgery in October of 2020, so around April 2021 is when I had full range of motion in my left shoulder and arm again. Even though I didn't have surgery on my arm, I had surgery on my neck, which those muscles are connected to my arm muscles, and so it affected the way I could move my shoulder and arm. So I didn't feel comfortable getting pregnant before April, Uh, because my body was still recovering. One of my doctors suggested I get my thyroid checked after radiation, and then I was given the all clear to start trying to conceive in May. Oh, and my sense of taste returned shortly after stopping radiation. But then Troy and I got COVID (laughs) in February, late January, or like early February of 2021, and I lost my sense of taste again. Luckily, I can taste things again now. And by then, um, the pandemic wasn't as scary and it kind of felt like we had a better handle on things even though it's been like up and down (laughs) and it's still around but Uh life is kind of normal sometimes again (laughs) yeah i feel feel more that way yeah yeah Yeah, so we feel more comfortable navigating it now yeah anyway so about working you're still working even though you're pregnant um and i know your line of work where you go out and about and see clients all over the place. Um, so you're much more mobile than um, your typical you know, office worker. Has being pregnant affected your ability to do your job um, just physically or has it been okay? Um, overall, it's been okay. I was super tired. So for the first like six or seven weeks of my pregnancy, I was like, I don't feel any different. I don't feel any symptoms at all. Am I actually pregnant? <laughs> And then around the seven, eight week mark is when I started to feel more tired and had some low level nausea and some breast tenderness. So I had some symptoms and I was like, oh, okay, huh, all right, this, this is good. <laughs> At least a little relieving having some of those symptoms show up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I just got super, super tired after that. Like towards the end of my first trimester, I was like, I just want to sleep all the time. <laughs> Growing a baby is hard work. Yeah, so I was able work. to see my clients, but it was hard for me to keep, keep up with like my paperwork and stuff. Um, the stuff that I had to do when I got home because I just wanted to crash. Uh, okay. um, but I was able to do it eventually. <laughs> um, and now I have more energy. I still don't really have that many like pregnancy symptoms like my 
belly has gotten bigger. So I've had to adjust like, you know, you, you think about your body in a certain way. Like I can fit through that crack. Oh wait, no, (laughs) wait, no, (laughs) I need to walk around. (laughs) I'm currently going through the opposite of that where I'm like, I can't fit through there. And then I reassess like, no, I'm not pregnant anymore. I can fit between those chairs. (laughs) Yeah. How about your guitar? Are you able to hold your guitar? okay or oh that's a good question yeah um well i had surgery to remove a cyst um like six weeks ago i was 16 weeks pregnant um and so the the cyst was really large and it was in a weird spot so they took it out because if we had left it in, it would have caused complications as the baby got bigger and it would have been in the way of me trying to birth the baby. Right. Um, so the, the biggest thing with like me physically carrying stuff is recovering from the surgery. Um, they did it laparoscopically, but there's like four incision marks on my abdomen. So my guitar, I don't put across directly across my abdomen anymore. I put it like to the side (laughs) and sometimes I don't use my big full-size guitar. Sometimes I use a baritone ukulele or even a small soprano ukulele. So it's a lot smaller and easier to carry. Oh yeah. I could see how that would be easier to use. Mm -hmm. The, um, I forgot to even mention that the discovery of your cyst is crazy. I know. Especially if you weren't pregnant, you would not have had the, uh, radiographic exam to find out that it was even there you would not have even known so um can you talk a little bit about what happened yeah yeah like you said it took everyone by surprise I had no (laughs) idea I had this giant cyst on my ovary or in my ovary yeah I had no idea because I had no symptoms of it a lot of times people will have like I don't know bleeding or pain or something to show that there's something there Um, but I had no idea that I had this large dermoid cyst until I got my first ultrasound. And the only reason I got that ultrasound was to make sure I didn't have twins. (laughs) Cause before I got pregnant, I was like, I'm going to have twin girls. (laughs) You were very sure. I was very confident. (laughs) It was. (laughs) So I went and got the ultrasound. I was like, tell me I have twins. And they're like, nope, you have one baby, but you do have this dermoid cyst. And I was like, what? (laughs) Can I just reiterate how it was huge? This wasn't just like you hear cysts and it it wasn't this little thing. It was a giant cyst in your ovary. Yeah. Yeah. It's like taking over my ovary. I had no idea. It was 12 centimeters, which I guess is just really big. It was really big. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So they took it out and... I had never heard of dermoid cysts before this, but oh boy, are they gross. They're disgusting. (laughs) But to your surgeon, um, fascinating and their favorite thing to operate on because you never know what you're going to find. Yeah, my surgeon was so excited about it. (laughs) He was like, oh, they're so fascinating. I said, they're disgusting. He's like, oh yeah, they're super gross, but they're so cool. Oh yeah, I'm on team. Super cool and fascinating for sure. (laughs) But I'm so glad that um, you were able to uh, have it removed. That's just modern medicine's amazing that they're able to do that kind of surgery um, on your reproductive parts while you're growing a baby and baby's fine and they got it out all in one piece. Just the whole thing is remarkable. So 
I was not as scared of surgery during pregnancy as I thought I would be. One, because I was horrified by the dermoid cyst. The doctors assured me that it was unrelated to the cancer I had had in 2020, and they did a biopsy on the cyst once it was removed. It came back cancer negative, thank goodness. But the thought that it had been growing inside my body for who knows how long really freaked me out. I wanted it out as soon as possible. But also, a video games journalist I follow on Instagram, Andrea Renee, had a baby last year and also had to have surgery while she was pregnant. Her situation is very different from mine, but honestly, the fact that I had heard of someone else having a surgery in the middle of pregnancy was really reassuring to me. I had never heard of that before it happened to her. She and her baby got through it, and they're doing much better these days. Also, the surgeon that operated on me was super thorough and upfront about everything before I decided to move ahead with the surgery, which was also very reassuring. Yeah, yeah, it was. Sorry, I know, and the surgery recovery was really easy too. I was so surprised. I was like back to work five days later, and I mean, I had to adjust what I carried and how I moved and stuff, but I, I felt fine enough to return to work. It was crazy. It is. Wow. Um, one other thought while, yeah, while we're talking about it, one other symptom I've had is back pain. Um, and that's affected the way that I've been like moving around and stuff. Mm -hmm. I had some back and hip issues before I got pregnant and I wasn't Mm -hmm. sure what the problem was. I was trying to do a lot of yoga to like fix it, but, um, apparently it's like, bone not muscle that is out of place so i've been seeing like i said the pelvic floor physical therapist and a chiropractor to help correct it and right now that's kind of like my biggest complaint is my back issue yeah and then you're driving so many hours a day so i imagine that aggravates it as well um is it difficult or tricky for the chiropractor to do adjustments on you with your belly because i know a lot of adjustments are done um laying face down that's a good question yeah unable to you know what I mean um yeah adjust or make accommodations yeah totally she focuses specifically on pregnant women um that's her main clientele is um yeah women who are pregnant or just had babies um and so she when I do need to lay on my belly she has me lay on this pillow that has a cutout for my belly so I'm not laying like directly on the um table yeah that's so cool i didn't even know that was a thing yeah i didn't either yeah and she's super gentle like she is very thorough and she was saying that you know your body's releasing a lot of relaxin and do different hormones to like kind of make your joints and bones more Mm -hmm. pliable and movable and stuff so she doesn't want to do too aggressive of a treatment because that could like overcorrect and create more problems right yeah yeah, I forgot. I was thinking of that, too, just because everything just kind of spreads out. Mm-hmm. It's looser during pregnancy um, and what that would mean for a chiro adjustment. That's really cool, though, that she specializes specifically in, in prenatal and postnatal patients. Um, I can only imagine a lot of things are getting misaligned or <laughs> out of place mm-hmm. um, when you're growing a tiny human. Mm-hmm. One other pregnancy symptom I forgot to mention is leg cramps. I've had several early mornings where I wake up because of a Charlie horse in my calf. Most people would think that's a sign of a potassium deficiency, but apparently, after some research, this can also be caused by a magnesium, calcium, and or salt deficiency. It can also be a sign of needing to stretch my legs more. 
I recently started taking a magnesium supplement and added an Epsom salt bath because apparently Epsom salt is magnesium. Soaking in it helps your body absorb more magnesium. I've been trying to consume more calcium and salt, and all these things have dramatically decreased the leg cramps, but they still pop up every once in a while, so I think I need to be more conscious of stretching my legs, um, which I do fairly frequently too, so I don't, I don't know. Anyway, back to Gina. I think this is one of the the staple Laura asks about motherhood questions, but how has your religion um, or spirituality affected your pregnancy, if at all? Yeah, well, hugely. Um, so I mentioned before that, you know, the expectation is that I would just have kids. Um, so <sighs> at one time, my mom was like, it's a commandment to have kids. <laughs> As if that would convince me to have kids. <laughs> basically uh, implying that you don't really have a say, that it's just your duty as a woman on this earth to bear children. And the Bible says so. Yes. But something else my church teaches is that the decision to have kids, when to have kids, and how many kids to have is a decision that is made between you, your spouse, and the Lord. Like, it's not a cookie cutter thing. It's a very personal decision that requires a lot of, well, I, a lot of people just will have kids and that's fine. And that works out for them. Everybody's journey is different. But I knew that for me, I needed to really, I, I needed to really talk to Troy and the Lord about when, if, well, one, if, and then two, when, and then three, how many. So for a long time, I didn't want to have that conversation. <laughs> I was just like, nope, it's not going to happen. I already decided. <laughs> um, but then in January 2018, I was going on a run, listening to a podcast. Um, and it, it was a lady talking about how her journey of adopting a child. And I don't know why. I don't know. Maybe I was just more open to impressions at the time, being in nature and listening to people talk about adopting. But uh, I got a very distinct spiritual impression that I was like, Laura, it's time to start having kids. And I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) So I went to therapy. (laughs) (laughs) That these two things existed in your head at the same time that you knew, but also I don't want to. But, but I need to. Yeah. Yeah. So it just takes me a long time to adjust to change and transitions are really hard for me. So like getting my period was a really hard transition when I was 11. Getting married to Troy, like that was, took a long time for me to be okay with that transition. Monarchy, marriage, motherhood, all the M's. I'm sure menopause will be a hard transition for me. <laughs> um, well, that makes sense then, because once you got married, you needed time to deal with that one first before jumping into the next thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I guess going back to how religion incorporates into everything, like I was, um, I really don't like Mother's Day. <laughs> it's such an awkward holiday. Um, because a lot of people will wish me happy mother's day and I'm like, I don't have kids. <laughs> oh, really? So that's yeah. something that I haven't experienced because I've always had kids as an adult where anyone would imply that I'm of the age to be a mother. Uh-huh. So people literally just assume that of you. 
Well, even if they know that I don't have kids, they'll still wish me happy Mother's Day because they want me to feel included, I think. But also, I th- it's coming from a good place. Um, oh, they're okay. like, oh, you're so motherly. You're, you're, so, you're so good with kids. And you have students. And you just have a mother's heart. And I'm like, uh, so, <laughs> I just okay. get so offended. <laughs> <laughs> I can see both sides of that, for sure. That yeah. they mean well and they see you as... They mean it as a compliment, mm-hmm. but you're also like, but I'm not. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just I'm because not. they have a uterus doesn't mean that I'm a mom. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, uh, I, I'm not sure, but I was raised in the Catholic church and Catholics believe, don't believe in, in contraception and that if you get pregnant, it's the will of God. Um, what does your church, what's their stance on that? Um, contraception is fine. Because again, the the um, the decision when and how many kids to have is something that needs to be discussed and prayed about, and like whatever is good for your family. So, if you can only handle one, great. That's just your family. If you are not able to handle any, that's fine. That's that's you and your family's decision between you and the Lord. That's not super common, um, but. Yeah, contraception is fine. Um, in general, do people um, in your church tend to have a lot of kids, or is it like does it vary and it just depends? Um, in general, yes, tend to have a lot of kids. Um, I think it depends a lot on where people are, because um, I'm thinking right now where we live. I think the most. There's one family that had eight kids, but they're like older now and all the kids are grown in our current congregation. So most people right now that have kids have like max five. Yeah, but like two or three, maybe four or five. But I know in other parts of the country or in other parts of the world, um, people would have more. It's not uncommon for people to have like eight or more kids. Oh my goodness. The super moms. I can't even imagine. I mean, just you're completely outnumbered. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you'd have to be super organized. After recording, I remembered there's an older gentleman in my ward, which is the word for congregation uh, that had 11 kids and some families in my ward don't have kids at all. So it just depends on the family. Um, I don't condone them. I know there's tons of controversy, but back in the day when I was still innocent, watching the Duggars on TV, just how she ran the household and they had basically an industrial kitchen in their house because they had to, and just preparing meals for them, they had to use commercial sized like pots and pans and sinks and ovens because there was just so many of them and just how they operated day to day was just so fascinating because they're like an entire little army of people. <laughs> so nothing normal family size worked that just everything the way they did everything was like, like a system as if they were, you know, at a, a boarding school or something, you know, it was just set up in a different way than your typical household. But yeah, you would definitely have to be super organized to be able to pull that off. Um, a lot of planning and anticipating things. 
Um, what is something that's been difficult about pregnancy? I know you've mentioned it. We've talked kind of about this, but just specifically anything that you found to be surprisingly difficult? Um, I think the back pain has been the most surprising thing. I didn't think it would be this big of an issue. Mm-hmm. And it's not really, I mean, well, uh, it could just affect the way I walk and sit um, and lay down. Um, but it's getting addressed. And then also, uh, so Troy and I are waiting until the baby's born to find out the sex. Just because I think it's such a fun surprise. Like, pull the, the baby out. Surprise. Yes. <laughs> and then we'll find out. All this anticipation. <laughs> it's so fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but some people, uh, there's one lady from church who was like, ah, I can't stand that you're waiting. And I'm like, I didn't know you cared. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> that was surprising. And then there's been a couple people who are like, you don't have like an intuition. You don't, you really don't know if it's a boy or a girl. I'm like, I, I really don't. <laughs> I, I have no idea, but people expect me to know somehow. Um, well, I would like to say about the lady at church that I agree. It is killing me that I don't know, but I'm very supportive of your decision to be surprised. <laughs> but I feel you lady at church. I'm so curious. I'm so curious. And I'm also like holding on to some of my baby's things. I'm like, will Laura need this? I don't know. Cause I don't know what she's having. <laughs> That's so sweet. Um, on the flip side of things, is there anything specific that brings you joy or makes you super happy about pregnancy? Um, yeah, recently in the last couple of weeks, I've been able to feel the baby move and that has been so sweet. <laughs> That's so exciting. Yeah, oh it gosh. really is. Yeah, I love it. Um, Troy and I wrote a lullaby for the baby. That's been like just brought a lot of joy to sing into the, the baby that way. Um, and uh getting ready for labor with troy like doing a childbirth education class like it's a lot and it's a lot of information and even though i i've done a lot of research and stuff it's been years since i've like brushed up on it Mm -hmm. um so like going through that with troy has been really joyful oh i'm so glad you guys make such a good team and you guys are going to be such good parents together because you we'll see i hope so (laughs) You will. I know it. Is there any advice that you would have now that you're more than halfway through your pregnancy already? Is there any advice that you would have for a first time mom who's thinking about getting pregnant soon? I think if they're able to afford the extra services to, to seek them out, um, well, we'll see once I have the baby if it'll be worth it. I feel like it's helpful now. The pelvic floor, the physical therapy, the chiropractor. I saw the nutritionist a couple of years ago. Um, but if that's not something that's feasible, because that's, you know, not covered by insurance and a lot of money on this, like extra money. Mm-hmm. Advice. I guess just do what's comfortable for you. Because I feel like people are expected to be or do or act a certain way. Um, So just enjoy the pregnancy however you want to enjoy it. (laughs) Do your own thing. Uh Uh-huh. Don't let people pressure you. Uh Uh-huh. I love it. Any last thoughts 
about second trimester, Laura, because we'll we'll touch base again later on. But you in your second trimester as as things are now. Any last thoughts? Uh, no, I don't think so. I had to get some shirts recently because my belly was too big for the shirts I had. <laughs> so that's been an adjustment, but that's just all part of the fun of growing the baby, I guess. I will say, since this is an audio thing, not a visual thing, you have officially popped. You have a belly now and it's so cute. You look so cute. And it makes sense that your clothes are no longer fitting the way they did before. Thanks. I'll post a picture. Yeah. <laughs> You're an adorable pregnant person, and um, I'm super, super excited for you. Yeah, I'm still mad at you for, not mad at you, but I'll, I'll never forget. We, we communicate using uh, video messaging that are not live, so we go watch them later. And you left me a message right after you found out you were pregnant, and you didn't say anything because you didn't tell Troy yet. So you left me this whole message, and then I found out. The next day or the day after that you were pregnant. <laughs> and I'm here responding to your message like it's any old day. And then I'm like, what? <laughs> you were pregnant in that video. <laughs> I was just, I was so excited. And I wasn't, I wasn't expecting it. I knew you guys were trying, but I just didn't know that was going to be the day. And I just, I still remember it. So I can only imagine how you guys feel if I'm this excited for you. <laughs> But yeah, you guys are, are doing so good, um, so thoughtful and loving already with, with this whole journey. And I'm excited to touch base with you in a couple months and see how you're doing then. Me too. Thank you, Gina. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Gina. That was so fun. Even though I knew what you were going to ask and I asked these sorts of questions to my guests, it was surprisingly difficult for me to answer some of the questions. I thought I was going to know exactly how to answer all of them. Uh, and then when I was put on the spot, I was surprised that sometimes I was at a loss for words. <laughs> anyway, thanks for your patience and guidance through the questions, Gina. That was fun. If you, listener, want to come on the podcast and share your experiences of being a mom, send me a message. Or if you know someone who would be interested in coming on the podcast, send them my way. I'd love to chat. You can reach out to me on the Laura Asks About Motherhood Facebook page or Instagram account. Please subscribe, leave a rating and review, and thanks for listening.